Hey everybody, when you hear that music, you know it's time for Jamie Uretsky on the lighter side of baseball. And today we will be coming to you live from Leewood, Kansas and connecting with a good friend of the show, Manny Sanchez. Manny, always a top rated star on the show and uh, we can't wait to get in touch with him. He'll be calling in pretty soon. And in the meantime, we're going to talk a little bit about what's been going on in the uh, world of Major League Baseball and in particular, the fact that the games are underway. And we are back on the lighter side of baseball and waiting the arrival of my good friend, Manny Sanchez. Manny just completing his morning workout and uh, probably be on the golf course after the podcast. So he, um, I'm assuming he's still down in sunny Arizona, getting to have lunch, I'm sure, with the commissioner. That would be the chairman of the board, <laughs> Mr. Reinsdorf. Yeah, he should be the commissioner. I mean, if Bud Seeley can do it, Jerry Reinsdorf ought to be able to do it. Probably doesn't want that job. We have uh, Mr. Manfred. I won't say anything. It'll be an upbeat upbeat uh, podcast today because uh, you never know if uh, Mr. Reinsdorf will be tuning in. So we're not going to be able to, you know, last time Mr. Reinsdorf listened to the podcast and Thought we kissed his ass a little bit too much. We can talk about Tony LaRusso maybe and not kiss his ass, but uh, Manny may be hesitant to do that. So we're going to wait for Manny to check in and uh, we're going to probably talk a little bit about Manny's job as the uh, chairman of the sports authority for Illinois and uh, whether or not they're going to have a gambling at uh, Comiskey Park slash the cellular field slash guaranteed rate park. And uh, I think, he went to the game yesterday, so we'll kind of try to figure out how that game went and uh, what his experience was there at the uh, ballpark in Arizona and uh, stuff like that. So we're looking forward to uh, to that call, and, and we're looking forward to um, getting underway. Cubs get underway today for the first time. The White Sox, I think, took it on the chin yesterday, and uh, baseball's underway. Baseball is underway. So we will uh, take a short break. And when we come back, uh, we'll be here with uh, our good buddy, Manny Sanchez. And we will see what happens in the world of Manny. It's uh, never, never boring at all. So we'll talk a little law, very little. We'll talk a little baseball. We'll talk a little upcoming season, talk a little COVID. And uh, we'll get on down the road. It's been... uh, almost a year since we talked to Manny on the podcast and uh, it'll be entertaining. So I can promise you that. So we will uh, take a break and we'll be back in just a few minutes with Manny Sanchez. Everybody, we're back on the air on the lighter side of baseball. And again, we're joined by Manny Sanchez, who we had on about a year ago, right when the epidemic was uh, just starting out. Baseball was being canceled. 
I gave Manny half of his resume. I'm not going to give him any more. The guy is in his White Sox attire. He's fresh off the ball, f- ball field from yesterday. And God love him. He's a great guest. Manny, how are you doing, buddy? You know, I'm doing very, very well. And but for the loss yesterday in Glendale at Camelback Park, believe me, nothing, nothing is going to prevent me from enjoying this spring because last year was miserable without it. Well, there aren't that many po- folks in America that are White Sox fans that would be depressed after the first loss in the first exhibition game of the spring <laughs> after a year and a half or, or a year anyway without much baseball. Uh, but Manny is the consummate biggest fan that I that I know. I mean, I used to be, but uh, he he is uh, something else. And he watched yesterday. I was envious of him getting to the ballpark. Saw four home runs by the opponents, but by God, he's he's ready for a new another game. And one and, by the White Sox. <laughs> well, tell me what you've been doing since uh, uh, you know since we last that's, talked. That's a fair question on the non athletic sports side you know i'm a lawyer and uh, you're a golfer i'm a trial lawyer and i'm a golfer and i'll get to the to the latter in a minute but my first and foremost is i'm a lawyer and i'm in this pandemic which started two weeks after i tried to a not guilty of a 43 million dollar asbestos case against ford motor company one of our biggest clients so i didn't even need the plane that last saturday of june it was leap year February 29th to fly to Scottsdale. I was on such a high. And then we get here and we're getting ready for the season. Then COVID strikes and boy, the whole thing is just disrupted. So my my season as a Sox fan was very, very disrupted. And my spring season was totally destroyed because there were no spring games that I was able to attend last year. But I'm telling you now is a whole new season. We've gotten to see just a touch of what to expect from the White Sox from last year. That that call it whatever you want to call it a a, a dismembered a, 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 a goofy season. But this is the year we Sox fans have been waiting for for the last half dozen years. This is where Jerry's investments in new players and where and I remember the criticism he took, especially from the media about, oh, my God, how could you trade Chris Sales, your best pitcher? How could you trade uh, the lefty to the Cubs, of all people, across the street, you know, across the, uh, on the north side? He did it. He had a plan in mind. And all these people were asking, who's this Moncada guy? Who's this? Uh, I mean, now they know who these guys are because the Sox are loaded from top to bottom. But the one missing ingredient he took care of in the last 45 days, we needed a closer. And boy, when he signed the guy from the athletics, God bless us. That's when the rest of us Sox fans said, caramba, we're in. We got it set up. We're going we're gonna to visit with Manny, whether he likes it or not, at least every six weeks. <laughs> because there is no more dedicated, loyal friend of Jerry Reinsdorf, no bigger Cub fan. And although he may be a little mercurial from time to time, he pretty much comes out spitting venom for those pale hoes, those White Sox. I'm I'm remembering last season, and Manny was pretty excited, even though it was a farce of a year that I thought it was a race for the money for the playoffs. You know, let's get 60 games out of the way and start the playoffs. I had Manny ready to do a little playoff baseball 
uh, <laughs> podcast, and the Sox just got off to a horrible start in the playoffs. And Manny calls me up and says, "Man, Jamie, I hate to, I hate to let you down, but I, I'm just depressed. God love him. I mean, what a great fan you are. You could not do it. And I'll tell you, the day after Giolito threw his no hitter." I was Jerry's guest. We were the only two people in the stadium, right? Other than the cardboard figures that were there. And we're in the suite and, and we watched the Sox win. And I remember saying, wow, this, if this is an indication, and then look at that pitching staff, look at the lineup. And now with the closer, there's a lot to be excited about if you're a Chicago White Sox fan, and you know I am. Well, and they, you know, they, they got some help in that Quintana trade. You know, they got him and us out in, in the outfield. I, you know, They've got a great team. They and, and before and, you go off Jimenez, the <laughs> Cub fans are never going to forgive us for that. They're never going to forgive Ricketts for doing that because Jimenez is going to be around for another decade, destroying them. Well, look what Theo Epstein. You know, he gets credit for a lot of things. He got rid of Jimenez. He got rid of Hector Torres, and and somebody before him, and it must have been. Uh, um, Rick, what's his name? Got rid of uh, Lemayhu. So you got Lemayhu, you got Jimenez, and you got Hector Torres, and I'm sure I'm leaving off some other guys. Uh, Quintana won yesterday in his opener with the Angels. He's back reunited with Joe Madden. Quintana's a good, a good pitcher. No but guess what? You got to give quality to get quality. And I'm telling you, when the Cubs played the Sox and Jimenez hit that bomb that I think was about 426. The Cub fans were barfing on themselves. They were so sick that this young guy is going to be around for a long time doing those kind of things to the Chicago Cubs every time the Cubs and the Sox beat. Well, I know deep in your heart, you grew up on the north side. I know that you've got somewhere in your heart a great admiration of those Chicago Cubs, right? I mean, <laughs> uh, no. but, however, remember, I'm from the generation, I mean, it. it you were either or. You couldn't be for both. So when you totally hear true. Today, there's a lot of there's a lot of people today that say I support both sides. Well, one, they're not from my generation. They're not baby boomers. And two, most of all, most of them never really were born and raised in the city of Chicago. They came their their transplants from elsewhere. You can be for both teams if you're not really a tried and true born and bred Chicago. It's it's you're right. It's rare. I my dad grew up on the south side. Uh, he and his dad, diehard baseball fans, diehard White Sox fans. I lived and died Chicago White Sox baseball until my buddy, who's no longer with us, Dave Nelson, ended up taking a job as a broadcaster for the Cubs. And so my kids wow. started following Nellie and following the Cubs, and we'd go to Wrigley Field, get down on the field. And, you know, if you're hanging out with Billy Williams for a while, you're going to start Harry Carey, Dwayne Stats, all these guys. And so, you know, I went from being so happy when Steve Garvey got that gapper against the Cubs in the 84 or 89 playoffs. What that went through his leg? Yeah. But, you know, that, uh, and so now, you know, obviously Reinsdorf is a, is a guy that I respect and admire. And I was just on the precipice. I was ready to jump on the White Sox bandwagon with you, ready to head out to the whatever they call that place now that you are in charge of, the Guaranteed Rate Park. And then they, and, and again, you know, last time you said Jerry and, and his son listened to the podcast and thought we kissed his ass. Jerry, I'll never forgive you for hiring La Russa. Sorry. <laughs> he fired my buddy Nelly 
And, uh, you know, Jerry always says that was the best coaching staff ever that 83 staff with Larusa and Duncan and, right. um, on and on and on and Nelly and these other guys, but I love Reinsdorf, but man, I, I, you know, for a guy who's so loyal to Ventura and Guillen, he sort of gave up on Renneria, got that playoff, kind of a bad streak in the playoffs and, yeah. uh, and, and that's street. the way it goes. So T-Bone, as you say, Jerry's 85 or whatever, and he's ready to ready to win again. God love him. And he's going to. And he's going to. Hey, before we go much farther, you're taking me back. You remind me. You're too young to remember this. But 1959, the White Sox win the pennant, okay? And I'm watching the game on Milwaukee. Oh, <laughs> I'm watching the game with my folks above the grocery store on Milwaukee Avenue by Milwaukee Division in Ashton in Chicago and the Sox win it and we're screaming out and out celebrating the whole bit and suddenly the uh, the the siren goes off the siren that normally just goes off Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock because at that time we were in the cold war and so this was for bomb shelters and that this was our our warning so it goes right. off like at 9 9 30 at night and so suddenly my dad says, hey, look at this. I go to the window at the front, and all of these people are running down Milwaukee Avenue to the bomb shelter at Milwaukee Division of Nash in the subway. And then my mom said, I'll never forget, she goes, she says, they obviously aren't White Sox fans. <laughs> <laughs> That's, let me. Daily and Quinn. Look at that. That's we're, great. We're not doing a live feed, but I've got a World Series program from the actual game I went to, game oh, six of did. the World Series. And let me just, to, to just get you going, yeah, uh, because we're we're of similar age. Wow! Here's the lineup in Game Six, which didn't turn out so good. But leading off, Aparicio, Fox, Landis, your man, Sherm Lawler. I know you like Sherm, Klazuski. I know you loved Clue, Al Smith, Bubba Phillips, Jim McEnany, and I early. McEnany. I would have been able to name everybody but McEnany. I went to the first game that the Sox won. You went to the good game. You should have gone to them all. Yeah, amen, amen. At that time, I was thrilled because up until that time, wrestling was the draw for me at Kaminsky Park. Yeah. The Sox have the great team in 59, win the pennant, and boom, dad takes us to the World Series. It was just great. The program signed by Little Louie, Aparicio. Then the next... Wow. Aparicio. Then the next year, 1960... It's signed by one of my favorite guys. He's such a super good guy. Gary Peters oh my who was, God. was a great pitcher for the White great. Sox yeah. and uh, um, a, a really good guy who I got to know a little bit. But anyway, I mean, that era, I just loved. And then the White Sox, like you said, Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams and Jerry, yeah. with yeah. Jerry's uh, blessing, put together this. I mean, they just get better and better. And I, I, problem I have with teams like the Royals who won the World Series in 85 and then again in 2015 or the Cubs unlike the Dodgers they the the Royals and the Cubs win and then they kind of put their head down and figure out how we can trim payroll unfortunately that's the problem with Chicago teams in general look at the Bears 83 look at how long they go they get the Super Bowl five, 10 years ago, but then didn't, didn't do well. The uh, Sox win in 2005. That's already 15, 16 years. My yeah. God. The only team that didn't follow that was the Blackhawks, which is kind of secondary tertiary in Chicago and the Bulls, which right. is owned by Jerry. Right. Jerry would give away those five, six rings for one more 
World Series ring in baseball. Well, I think the Sox are certainly poised. You know, anything can happen. Uh, yep. I'm assuming that uh, baseball will go back to the playoff format from 2019 and not 2020, but who knows? You know, they seem to be floating the rules, you know, as they go, just sort of like they did last year. But the uh, – uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be great to be a White Sox fan. You're gonna be in great. So, what's gonna happen? You're the chairman of the Illinois Sports Authority. I think I've got that sort of correct. Let me let me tell you that as of January first, I stepped down after my eight years in service. So I'm not gonna mislead anybody. It was eight of the greatest years of my life. I still have Jerry as my BFF. I'm still a diehard White Sox fan, but it's time for the next generation or two to start taking leadership positions. And so I reluctantly, I might add, reluctantly resigned, but did it in order to not, Illinois has got enough political uh, challenges going on. I was not gonna embarrass the governor or the mayor because they were having a little difference of opinion on this thing and I wasn't gonna get in the middle of it. you know. I've got enough stuff on my plate and I'm living large. So I just will tell you, I'm no longer the chair, but Jerry is still my BFF. I'm no longer his landlord, but we just had lunch at Goldman's two weeks ago and had a very, very nice time there. And if there's a nicer man in this world, I haven't met him yet. Jerry Reinsdorf's the be all end all. Um, you know what? I, I, I don't think I could disagree with you. I, one of the, one of the, my personal uh, losses throughout this year of COVID-19 has been, you know, I usually at least once or twice a year get together with Jerry and, you know, I wasn't his landlord. I wasn't his BFF, but he treated me, you know, like he treats everybody else just spectacularly. And uh, I think last time we did the podcast, you know, we oozed our love for Jerry. So I'm not going to do that again. What the, uh, What's going on with the, the world of gambling and the sports authorities, as far as you know, as now a former chairman? You know, I, I will tell you that the, uh, the sports uh, authority, is, the technical name is ISFA, Illinois Sports Facility Authority. They have got, no surprise, especially given the state of Illinois, some very serious economic challenges because the bonds that were refunded and re refunded that, that are still in play have, have got a back-end load that requires that this legislature get together again and put in some legislative uh, tools in there so that they can refund these bonds and extend them out. But the lease only goes to 2029. So nobody, nobody is trying to, the governor doesn't want to have any legislation that extends beyond the lease of the White Sox, et cetera. And so there are some serious economic challenges facing the state of Illinois and the legislators. And fortunately, that's no longer, not that I would have skirted it because I was ready to take it on, but part of that is going to Springfield, getting the state legislature and the governor together with the senators and the state reps. And you may have seen, I'm sure you did, Madigan after 50 some years as speaker has now stepped down. You don't know this, but I'll tell you, the new speaker is my former partner. Chris Welsh. So, really? okay. yeah. So in retrospect, this happened after I had, I had resigned. I would have been in a key position, if you will, with my former partner and sure. of the house. But regardless, I think that somehow, some way they will work it out. Uh, 
the bondholders are our first priority. That's our first concern, meeting those coupon bondholders. And so they have got to do some legislative things to make that possible. Otherwise, they'll default. And if they default, that's going to be very embarrassing, very discomforting for the governor and the state. And I know they don't want that to happen. But that's going to require a lot of work, a lot of politicking. And frankly, at this age, where I'm at this stage in life, I'm trying to cut back on the politicking, not enhance them. So, so I've got the best of all worlds in Scottsdale and in Illinois, and I get to have my son and my daughter-in-law, the face of our law firm in the Chicago office, even when I'm here 1,400 miles away. But I think that the sports facility ultimately will get this resolved, but it's going to require a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, challenges on the part of my successor and on the part of the legislature to make that happen. Well, with the passage of, the, you know, after the Supreme Court ruling in 2018, allowing sports books to be other than in Nevada and New Jersey, I know the, uh, the word on the street is that the Washington Nationals are going to begin in-game stadium betting on various aspects of, of, of betting on the teams that are actually playing. Right. And, and then they're talking about putting a sports book in. The Cubs are talking about the same thing. So are the and, White Sox. So are the White Sox. And believe me, uh, uh, this hasn't fallen on deaf ears over on the south side. And so I would not at all be surprised if the Sox don't beat to the Cubs in terms of taking advantage of that legislative change because Jerry recognizes an opportunity when it's there. And this is an opportunity. And there's a thirst for this thing. I wish I had gotten in, honestly, on the marijuana effort. Look at, I mean, it's exceeded 20-fold the, the revenue projections. And you know what? And I'm not reading about all sorts of high people getting into I mean, it's just, it's taken off the way it did in Colorado and the other states where they right. legalized it, you know. And maybe that's a disincentive to all this stuff that's going on in Mexico and bringing that stuff up here. They don't have to do it illegally when they can do it legitimately here and people can profit on it. Well, maybe they'll uh, do what we talked about the last podcast, and that is put in a few uh, sports bars and restaurants in and around the Comiskey Parks, the cell, guaranteed rate. Yep. And yes. and maybe uh, combine that with uh, off-track betting or whatever it's going to be called with respect they to the sports book. So now, I predict they will. With with uh, with that in mind, with what gambling, I mean the the uh, Fox Sports affiliates are now going to be called the Bally Sports Network for the Bally gaming industry. So, wow. for example, the Milwaukee Brewers will no longer be Fox Sports Wisconsin; they'll be Bally Sports Network Wisconsin, really? oh. and the same with the Royals and the and oh. Oh, and the yeah. uh, Rays and a lot of these guys. So with Betting in stadiums with with uh, the the Cubs went into business with DraftKings, uh, right. which is a, a gambling a book now, and not just fantasy sports. And with all these other things, it's not a, it's not a bad stock either, Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, that's what uh, my I did a podcast with my middle son, who's a patent attorney in Washington D.C., okay. but he's also a fairly involved recreational gambler. Yeah. And so Virginia has now. Uh, authorized. They've got five different locations that do. You sit on your phone, you watch the Duke North Carolina game, and then the spread changes as the game goes on. Correct. Correct. But with all of this, here's my question to you as a as a White Sox fan 
forever. And it deals with how do you keep Joe Jackson out of the Hall of Fame now if gambling is such a big part of baseball? You know what? Not just Joe Jackson. How about more recently, Pete Rose? I mean, Pete Rose, the same I mean, deal. This is, this is, I thought it was ugly at the time that it happened. I mean, God forbid, you know, Shoeless Joe Jackson, that story. Uh, uh, and more recently, Pete Rose, I just saw him in some kind of program. It's, it's, it's uh, embarrassing that, you know, here a guy who had more hits, I think, than anybody, maybe even Ty Cobb. I can't remember if he passed Ty Cobb. He did. He, did. he was a fabulous, fabulous guy. And because of something as uh, inane, if you will, as a gambling on your own team, I mean, it's one thing if uh, Joe Jackson was accused of basically giving the game to the opponent. They didn't have the same issue with Pete Rose. I mean, what the hell's wrong with betting on yourself, betting on your team, et cetera. And now we're coming around to that. But eventually, I believe that they will. there will be a reckoning. And they're going to finally, just like they created the old-timers, Hall of Famers, to allow these folks who, after the whatever 20-year limit was exceeded, they allowed them to be considered. This should also be brought up because that was a travesty when it happened. And not so much Shoeless Joe Jackson as Pete Rose and others who unfortunately got caught up in betting on themselves or their teams and then, and, and then destroying a lifetime career that they so, so humbly earned uh, uh, the respect of kids and fans. And it, it's a shame Cincinnati had to live, live that down, that he had to live that down. I mean, I thought, I still remember seeing that guy. What a force he was. Well, and, you know, Jackson hit 370 in the World Series, so he couldn't, he was, if he was throwing the game, it was pretty hard for him to do. Um, yeah. yeah, Pete Rose, you know, the number one rule, and no, don't bet on baseball. But with, you know, with the betting in the stadiums, having sports books in the stadium, what's to stop, you know, Manny Sanchez, noted a starting pitcher for the Chicago White Sox with an ERA of 1.2 calls Manny Jr. and says, Hey son, I'm not feeling too good today. Drop 10 grand on the, uh, on my opponent. I mean, they got all sorts of trouble. <laughs> all, all, all of those are not, are not that a, a, a much of an exaggerated hypothetical. I mean, these kind of things can't happen, but at the end of the day, you've got to rely on just the general principles that, Hey, all right, this is now in play. And you're going to always have some folks that are going to toe the line and others that are just going to break the rules and change it. But you know what? That's, that's human. That's human beings. And you just got to take the good, the bad, the ugly, and the good. Clearly, I think from a revenue source standpoint, especially with states and counties and cities and having such fiscal challenges, they've got to encourage fiscal revenue sources that can help them deal with the serious shortfalls that they have on providing housing, on providing jobs, on providing food, on providing all the other things that they as public sector folks are required to do to keep this government of ours running. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think the, uh, you know, from the baseball standpoint, I think the, the, the concept of small market baseball is being obliterated by teams like the Padres who have on the left side of their infield, two guys making $300 million or more, you know, here's the, uh, here's the Padres. So how, you know, I said this to a a friend in Milwaukee, how does Mr. Antanasio claim that he's got a tight budget when somebody in San Diego can go out and sign Tatis and, 
if you, you know, and my position has always been, look, you know, I understand if you really don't think you can do that, there are guys like Cohn who bought the Mets for $4 billion along with their broadcast rights. Right. There, there are all these consortiums that'll be more than happy to come in and pay Mr. Reinstorf $2 billion for the sure. White Sox or more. And yeah. Jerry, you know, may or may not take advantage of that, but it, it, it's crazy that some teams like the Rays aren't required to at least spend a hundred million dollars on their payroll because, yeah. you know, their fans are deprived. Right. And Jerry would say, Hey, look, dude, it's my dollar and I'm going to do what I need to do. Right. Um, and I'll be a good fiduciary to whoever I need to be a fiduciary to. But, but the bottom line is there are plenty of people that'll put on uh, a game like this. And thank God when Jerry, a long, long time ago, we owned the uh, Omaha Royals, which was a triple a franchise franchise of, of uh, Kansas city and Mr. Kaufman, the owner of the Royals died and a uh, committee uh, took over in accordance with his um, uh, trust. And, yeah. and so they were trying to find people to buy the team. And I had uh, a trial in which um, over an aborted sale of the Kansas city Royals, it was the greatest trial. My, cause okay. Bud Selig, Bowie Kuhn oh, and Lee McPhail oh, were my three oh. witness, my three oh. experts. So wow. Jerry goes, look, buddy likes you. Why don't you put together a group like I put together and for 30 or $40 million, you can go buy the Royals. Wow. And I'm thinking, thank God I didn't get find that group because you got to have deep pockets to, you know, to run a baseball team. I mean, well, deep, yeah, deep, it's one thing deep. to buy it, but then you got to run it as well. You're right. And oh, deep. oh my God. Yeah. And even though there's lots of little Avenue sources for money that, comes into these guys you know hats off to jerry i mean and he told me how he did it a little bit and and uh and, and during that course of that trial which took about a year and a half or two years to get ready for the trial mm -hmm. um and it ultimately went to a jury in federal court after a three-week really? trial they uh held for the kansas city royals and mr wow. kaufman and then avrin fogelman who was trying to buy the team but fun trial and I'd, i'll wow. tell you about it sometime because you know, so baseball, not like it. This was like the pinnacle of uh, of a baseball Just junkie. That you mentioned cool and see like in that holy macros. Well, and baseball. And kudos to Jerry Reinsdorf because Jerry certainly opened up lots of doors for me to go in and interview the. You know, back then they had an American League and an American League office in Cleveland. You know, he got me into Ted Turner's guys. He got anywhere I wanted to go. Jerry would call wow. and say, hey, Mr. Kaufman's lawyer wants to come see you. And the, that group was so tight. You know, the owners uh, are so oh, yeah, tight yeah. that you, uh, have it in. you can't yeah, have right. it in. You don't get in. And see, like, and I, and, and, and I, I tell Jerry, whenever we get together, it seems like something from that trial comes up. And I say, you know. Selig was probably the best witness I've ever put on. And, and Jerry was always like, come on, there's no way that guy was. He was so good because, Manny, you'd appreciate this. You'd ask him a question and Bud would go, well, I can't answer that unless I tell you A, B, and C. And, and of course, the federal judge loved him. So he oh, let him do it. Yeah, I mean. It's funny you mentioned Bud Selig because there's a, a Desert Highlands fellow country club member who likes to go to Goldman's Deli, and he says, Manny, I'm telling you, I'll bet you six out of every 10 times I've gone, I've not only seen Jerry, but Bud Selig will be there when I go to the deli in Scottsdale, Paradise Valley, to see it. So That is great. Yeah, like this, as you know. 
Right, right. Yeah, now you're making me hungry. What <laughs> well, the, the rest of the division that the White Sox are in doesn't look like they've done much. What do you no, think? They, they're going the other way. We have a, a fellow Desert Highlands friend here from Cleveland, and he's discussing how Cleveland has done nothing. Friends from Minnesota who feel the same way that Minnesota hasn't done anything to enhance their team. And so I, I think, frankly, in our division, it's the, for the Sox to lose it when I don't see that happening. So what I want to see is I want to see the Sox continue. I don't want them to get off to a slow start. I want them to start out right out of the gate doing well. And if they go with the lineup that I envision them going with and not these, you know, these uh, split squad games and that they're going right. to, everybody was pitching one inning yesterday. I think they've got a 25 pitch count too. And once you hit 25, they take you off the mound. But the thing is, they're, they're, they're testing these guys. That first pitcher yesterday for the White Sox, right? W-R-I-G-H-T, who I'd never heard of. I'm, right. going, I'm telling you, they, they're, not using, they're not using the radar gun. But he was over 100 miles an hour on some of those fastballs. They were coming in like lightning, not necessarily under control, like lightning. And then he got hammered. He got hammered even in the first inning for that. Was it a two-run homer? I believe. Maybe it was a three-run homer. But it was, it was way gone. But that... That fastball was three and two, and he was sitting on I, I see that little cleanup hitter. I'm thinking, what's he going to do with three and two? He smacked that thing well over the 410 field side. I mean, it was uh, it was quite a quite an event. But you watch the White Sox this year. Yeah, some guy named McCray is starting a day for him. I've never heard of him either. In fact, you know, and they're only playing five or six innings. Did you make it to the third inning of the game yesterday? I, I actually made it to the sixth inning. Good for you. They, they announced in the third inning that in the spring games, they're only going six innings. Yeah. So I said, oh, okay. Because I, I, I normally, I think I had told you last year, when I would go visit Jerry, he takes the game so seriously. And I'd go in the box. If the Sox were losing, I would leave before the seventh because I didn't want to be there because he gets, he, he takes it so personally. But if they're winning, I see it to the end of the game. So oh, that's why I'm down in scout seats. I'm watching the game, and I hear them announce the game will only go six innings. I may have been so depressed after the Sox went down 5-2 that I left. But, no, and it's only six innings. I mean, we were out of there at 3 o'clock. It was, it was unbelievable how quick, how quick the game went and how quickly we left and how well they are handling the whole pandemic thing. Because yeah. I was curious how they would deal with it, and they're dealing with it beautifully. So what uh, What about food, beer, and hot dogs? Are they serving they, anything out there? I had, I had their chicken tenders. They had the hot dogs there. They had the beer. They have, you just can't use cash. You just got to take your credit card. But they, you know, they had the, the kettle popcorn. They had the wok, uh, what is that, wok uh, noodles or whatever. So they have that. It's just that you you have to keep your social space spacing and you have to have a credit card. But I didn't think anything was missing, you know. I mean, obviously, I think the max is uh, 2,500, I think, will be the max when, when they have that because they have these wires on the uh, plastic wire things on the seats so that you have four seats is the max together and then empty space, empty space. They've done it very, very nice. That's what my son went to the World Series in Texas. And, oh, uh, he did? And, okay. and he said that um, they did the same thing. They had this oh. wire around yep. four seats and then four seats were open and – he said everybody's sitting around drinking beer, and it was pretty. Uh, yeah, no, there, there's no difference on that end. And I will tell you, we were in the scout seats right next to the end of the White Sox dugout, and I had, I, uh, I was ten feet away from Tony Larusa. And even though it's not the Tony Larusa of 1979, 
I'm telling you, it looked like the same Tony La Russa, and maybe, maybe a little chubbier than before, <laughs> but he was just as uh, animated and just as involved as he was way back then. And so to the extent that people are wondering, oh, why is he bringing in this old guy or that? Wrong. Believe me, Tony La Russa, and I think he might be the first ever Hall of Famer manager to come back and play after entering the Hall of Fame. But That's I, probably I, true. White Sox, White Sox fans are going to find that that was a great move on Jerry's part, even though he took – he was pilloried in the media for doing that. But he's, he stood by it, and even after they brought the DUI in, it didn't matter. He knew about that. He wasn't going to let that dissuade him from doing what he wanted to do for baseball and for us White Sox fans. Well, to, you know, Jerry's going to do – what Jerry wants to do, number one. And number two, he loves La Russa. He's always thought he's one of the top managers, if not the top manager. I just want to know, did Tony stay awake for the game or did uh, he totally. doze off? I don't even stay awake. He had his mask on at the end of the, at the end of the dugout the entire game. The entire game. It was great. I'm surprised Dave Duncan isn't. I know Duncan's kids are co on the coaching staff. Oh, really? You know, oh, I didn't know that. That's but uh, Dunk and, uh, and T-Bone, Tony, were pretty, pretty close. So uh, oh, I, I think I think Duncan's still still uh, kicking these days. What about your what about your golf game, man? You know oh. what? I'm, it's, I'm finally beginning the turnaround. I was I've been experimenting since January and I went I started out with an index of 51. Then I went to 16. Then I went to 17. Then I went to 19. And I went to 19.8. And then I, I saw this, and I'll say it on this podcast. I saw this little 12, 13-minute video on YouTube, best driving for seniors. And I'm telling you, now I'm down to 18.8, and I'm on, the, I'm on the downturn because my drives now are going in the fairway and about 15, 20 yards farther. So now my focus is in, on that, that the pitching wedge and the, say, uh, a uh, hundred yards and in and the putting. And I don't know how to read greens and at Desert Highlands, they don't use caddies and we don't have yet. Like we have at Naperville country club. They send you that, uh, that uh, you can put it in your iPhone and they'll show you the, the contours of the greens and, and whether it goes right to left, left to right. That that's unbelievably helpful for us that are blind when we're on the green and we can't read it correctly. That's why I always use, I always use, the help of caddies in Naperville. I don't have that option here. So I try now, we're going to play in our member member on Thursday and Friday. I have a guy who's not that much better of a golfer than I, although he is better, but he reads greens beautifully. So that's what I need. And I'm one of those guys who's a sucker for, for advertisement. I bought the dynamite putter. I'm watching, I'm watching on my iPhone. And I see this ad, you know, just interjected into something. I said, Whoa, look at that. From the end of the putter, the middle of the putter, or the butt, the, the, the handle of the putter, the ball in the commercial goes straight. Now, I'm not saying that's literally true, but I'll be darned if it hasn't helped my putting. Wow. So, you know, I'm trending down, and I'm telling you right now, okay, this is four days before I remember, member. The next time you talk to me, ask me how we did in the member. All right, member. I'll do that. I say we're going to win it. What, what seemed to help my game wasn't the equipment. It was moving from the blue tees to the white tees. That's oh, certainly been a big deal. I moved to the gentleman's tees, which is. There you go. God love you on that. You know, 6,000 yards is plenty for me. 61, but the 6,400 yards is too much. That additional 3,500 yards makes a difference for, for us septuagenarians, you know? And so 
I'm, I'm not at all ashamed when they say, what tees? Gentlemen's tees, the white and the gold. 6,060 yards, that's fine for me. I want to pick your brain. I told you we talk about the uh, our favorite White Sox position by position. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to see what your, uh, what your reactions are. And I, and we both have this love of old time White Sox. Okay. So let's start with a catcher. Who's your all time best catcher that you either saw or thought about? Carlton Fisk. Ooh, I like that. Carlton Fisk. I mean, you mentioned Sherman from the 59 to me, Sherman Lawler. I call them the turtle because I never saw anybody walk. He was walk, slow. Walk slowly. But he was, a, he was a good catcher. But Carlton Fisk by far was the best. Even though, you know, he didn't spend 20 years with the White Sox. Right. He was, he was a, a fabulous leader. He was, I still remember that uh, that double tag at home plate. Uh, yeah. I, it's just, it's a, they show it often at the White Sox Park at Guaranteed Rate Field. And it's a great uh, it's a great video to watch him get that one and then slide over and get the other two outs at home plate. Yeah. He was, he was great. Old number 27 with the Red Sox came to the White Sox and he switched the number to 72. 72. <laughs> you know, I, I got to go with Sherm. Uh, he was slow at the Liberate, but he was part of that great White Sox team. How do you like, how do you like the current catcher that they paid gazillion, the biggest contract ever in the history of the White Sox, whatever his name is. That's playing now. Uh, Yeah. 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 I I don't know enough about him. I know that he kicked our boat on the other side of the team, but I haven't seen what he's got to show us yet for the White Sox, but I'm hopeful that I forgot what his injury is, but it didn't seem that serious. That's I was off. I was surprised that they paid him more than they paid anybody else in their uh, history. I, I thought that was ridiculous, frankly. I, but that's you know that's hey. Hey Jerry, you can yeah, do what that, you want. Funny, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm not question his decisions. All right, third base. Who's your favorite third baseman? Kel, George Kel. Is that before your time? No, no. Uh, uh, he was in the. Uh, he made uh, Belton Melton. Oh, yeah, Billy Belton Melton. Oh, Bill Melton. God, these are great. He was in the box for years and maybe still is, but Belton Melton, I'm telling you, when he played for the White Sox, he not only was a strong defensive player, he was a big bat for the White Sox and we needed someone from further base because I'm still from the days of Bubba Phillips. Remember? Oh, me too. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. So Bill Melton and, and I, at short, I know I should say Ozzy. But I not Louis Aparicio. Little was, Louis always will be. Little Abs- Louis will always be my favorite. Yeah, got Bill Melton. There's a great name, and even though he's the color guy on the pre yeah. and the post game shows and everything, yeah. those were the Chuck Tanner years when Tanner was yeah. the manager, and great years. And uh, Belton, Billy Melton. Oh my God, yeah, that's a great Who's call. Yours? Huh? Who is yours? My favorite third baseman, well, you know, uh, Kel before, but probably Bubba Phillips, you know, Um, but I mean, he was nothing more than a journeyman kind of a guy, like a Sammy Esposito, Billy Goodman. Yeah, they rotated between the two. That's Yeah. Um, And Pete Ward. I'll tell you, I loved Pete Ward. Pete Ward was excellent, too. Oh, my God. He got big number eight. He was good. So I would say probably... You know, the baggy uniform, those old gray uniforms, big number eight, Pete Ward. I thought that was good. You got to go with little Louie, although Luke Appling, you know. Now, we didn't see Luke Appling play. Obviously, no, no, I didn't. Neither did that. I. Neither did I. And I understand he was quite a force. Number four. I just saw his number on the right field wall yesterday. That was That's great. Yeah. 
Well, you know, I'm a memorabilia guy, so I've got a couple baseballs and Luke Appling, a couple team balls from the White Sox. Paul Richards, I have the ball signed by Paul Richards, who was their manager way back when. But uh, little Louie, I hated it when he went to Boston, I thought. But in that trade, they got Pete Ward and they got Dave Nicholson and they got uh, Wilbur Wood and one other guy. I was in I was Comiskey Park when Dave Nicholson hit the one over the left field. Unbelievable. So was I. Yeah, he struck out every other time, but boy, when he hit the ball. Oh, my God, he did. And so I think I told you last time that uh, our good family friend was Rudy Schaefer, who was Bill Uh Veck's right-hand guy. And so Rudy got us a partial season ticket for my dad and I, and we'd go down there a couple times a week. So we're there the night that you were there when Nicholson hits a ball over the roof and Rudy leaves or, you know, he stops by our seats and says, I got to go outside, track the ball down. And and 573 feet, as I recall, now I could be wrong, but uh, that was Dave Nicholson. We were in shock. I mean, we're all looking at each other. I mean, our mouth couldn't open wide enough. We were all in shock. Couldn't believe he hit it that far. Man, oh, man. He hit a few others, but you're right. He just struck out <laughs> kind of Frank Howardish. So second base, that's an easy little one. Nell. You got to go with little Nell. I mean, what the, little Louie and little Nell, what a combo. Oh my God. Well, I was reminded he's on the front page of yesterday's cover because he was one of the most valuable players. All right. Yeah. And, uh, it says 1959 when the Sox won the pennant, he was the most valuable player in the American league. And I was reminded of that yesterday because they showed the four who have won it. Dick Allen, Frank Thomas, Little Nell, and Jose Abreu this past wow. year. What a great double play combination for Aparicio oh. to Fox to oh. Walt Dropo, Earl Torgerson, Kluzewski. Oh, yeah. That yeah, was great. First base, yeah. you know, I know you're not going to go with Clue. You're going to go with uh, the, the guy that was there a few years ago that was there forever. What was his name? Dick Allen? No. Well, not Dick. No, the, uh, he just retired, and he was one of the uh, – boy, I should – I like the clue. As a matter of fact, for years, I would – while I was playing baseball, I would roll up those sleeves and put them up here just like Big Clue because he was the only guy in baseball that would roll them up like that. Yeah, you know, he, was. You know, he was. He was quite a force. But that whole 1959 team, it's hard to not consider almost every one of them in best positions because at the time – they were just such standout players for the Chicago White Sox, and we White Sox fans will never forget that. But I'm trying to remember who you're thinking of at first base. It, it, you know, he hit a ton of home runs. I think they retired. They didn't retire his number, but man. Oh, oh, oh the lefty, the uh, African American lefty. Uh, yeah, this guy was a Caucasian. Damn. He just oh, retired. Me. Wow. Um, we'll figure it out on the next okay. podcast. Who's your outfield besides Baines? You know, you know, uh, the White Sox have had about, you know, again, thinking of 1959, it never gets uh, mentioned often, but I used to love to watch Jimmy Landis and Jungle Jim Rivera and Al Smith. I mean, those were the three from 59. But we've had some great, great players. I mean, uh, really, really great players since then. You know, some people would say, well, how about Minnie Minoso? But I thought of Many more as a Cleveland guy than he was a White Sox guy, even though he put in a lot of great years for the White Sox. <coughs> but uh, outfielders, I mean, uh, uh, God. Uh, but you you're right. That? Landis, Rivera, Harold Baines. Um, oh, Harold Baines, of course. Uh, Harold Baines, uh, who else on right field? 
you know, God, I started thinking of other teams with great players because I used to love guys with great arms like Calavito and Clemente. Who had yeah. Best arms and well, and they had John Callison for a while before they gave him oh, away. Canerco. Yeah. Uh, right. I was thinking of Canerco. Uh, oh, yeah. oh, oh, how could you? Yeah, no. Uh, now that you've reminded me, that's who I would go with. Paulie. Paulie yeah, Paulie. Yeah. And he's right here in, in Arizona, too. I should I should know that. He he. They retired his number, rightfully so. I happened to be at that game when they retired it. What a gentleman. What a wonderful human being. There's nobody that doesn't like Paulie, and that's what they call him. Isn't that cool? You don't even have to say Canerco. You say Paulie. I know. Yeah, I'd have to go with Paul Canerco over Big Clue. And in the outfield, I'm trying to think of. Uh, God, isn't that funny? There's not many outfielders that jump out at me. Jimmy Landis was terrific, but now I'm dating myself. That's 50 years ago. I right. Mean, uh, I mean, many was many was many, and uh, but Landis, Harold Baines when he played right field. Yes. Um, but yeah, you're right. They and I'm sure that if we thought about it, we'd find we'd come to a besides yeah, Joe Jackson. I'm sure pitching. How about the you know that pitching staff of the 1959 with Bob oh, Shaw and God. Billy Pierce, Dick Donovan, early, early win. win, early win. I mean, you know, yeah, that team that I went to, he pitched, and I won that 11 to one. I mean, uh, who would have who would have thought? You know, I thought we were for sure. I didn't know that Larry Sherry was going to kill us. Right. As, I mean, every time he came in, he shut us down. Even though when we thought we were in a hot rally, that the Dodgers won the thing. But that should have been a year that the White Sox won. World Series because they listen have- to the listen to the Dodgers lineup because this will yeah please uh Junior Gilliam oh god uh Charlie Neal Wally Moon Duke Snyder Gil Hodges Duke Snyder was on that team then Duke I- Snyder Hodges Norm Larker Johnny Roseboro Maury oh, Wills and uh Johnny Padres started game six and who got who came in Larry Sherry to yeah. get the win oh, no, Larry just Sherry like you said shut us down in that world series. And that's, I never had even heard of the guy before that world series. And to this day, more than 50 years later, I still can't get him out of my mind because he killed us that he killed. Yeah. So modern day pitchers, uh, Burley comes to mind, you know, how oh, can yeah. you not, you know, he's with Canerco in terms of I was, I class. Was, to tell you, I was at the perfect game. I was at the perfect game and I thought it was all going to naught for that last drive onto left center field. And when Wise came down with that ball, we all looked. I was there with three of my partners. We took the afternoon, because it was an afternoon game. We took the afternoon off. We were Sox fans. We go to see it. Never in our wildest thinking it would be a, a no-hitter, yet alone a perfect game. And it was, it, it, it'll always be embedded in my mind. I was there when he threw that perfect game. It's such a rarity. Yeah. Such a rarity these days. And I was there. It was wonderful. Well, and when he pitched, you know, you, you'd get home at a decent time. You know, yeah. the guy was oh, just great 20 minutes uh, max for him. Oh, but you talk about pitching. You, Billy Pierce was a force, an unbelievable force. Uh, Dick Donovan, people don't mention him very often. He was a tremendous pitcher for the White Sox. Right. Uh, the guy who just, uh, who we got from New York, who passed away uh, recently. Uh, we got him from New York, a 300 game winner. Uh, uh, and he did wonderful for the White Sox. For the, uh, he played for, was it the Mets? Uh, oh, Tom Seaver. Yeah, Tom, Tom Seaver. Tom Seaver, great guy. He was a great pitcher for the White Sox. People thought he was done when he came over to White Sox. Not at all. He That's did a, a very, very nice job. But, you know, I still remember 57 
World Series, and I remember watching Juarez Spahn. I remember I never saw anybody lift his leg any higher than he did. Lou Burdett. I mean, this is the days of yeah. Hank Aaron and Eddie Matthews. And I mean, this, this is when baseball was really baseball. And that's when, you know, I'm 12 years old and I'm uh, 10 years old at the time. And I'm just getting into black and white t- TV. And sure. I see these guys. I mean, what a, what a, and they're right next door in Milwaukee, right? And so you talk about small town baseball. Look, to this day, Milwaukee, Green Bay, and Wisconsin have been unbelievable forces in two major sports. Yeah. Football and, and look at Kansas, Kansas City, and now, of course, you know, they should have won again in football. Uh, I, I was, Oof, that was ugly. In the Super Bowl. But I well, love that guy, and I'll never, never fail to, to remember that the Bears passed up on your quarterback and instead went with Trubisky. And look where we're at. And oh, my God. Been in two Super Bowls. Well, they lost the Super Bowl this year because your son and I weren't there. You know, last year I went to the Super Bowl with with that's Manny. What, Jr. That's what my son Manny would say. Yeah. Manny Jr. What a great guy! Getting ready to uh, the wedding was postponed, but uh, it's August. On, this August for uh, yeah, that'll be that'll be good, man. The uh, best manager, I'd have to go with Al Lopez. You can probably go with Tony Larusa. No, no, you know what? I would, I, I, I would. But Al Lopez was great. But my bite with him was and always remained. We were always playing second fiddle to the Yankees. Absolutely. It didn't, matter, it didn't matter what we had going. Al Lopez, other than that one World well, World Series we got into and lost in 59, you could count on the White Sox having a great team, but they weren't going to beat the White Sox. The White Sox were not going to beat the Yankees. And I can't tell you how many times on the radio, on TV, and in person, the Sox were winning. They're beating the Yankees. But somehow, some way, the Yankees came back and kicked our butt. And that seemed to be the message for too long. Another, another, uh, another Yankee great that killed the White Sox passed away along with all sorts of other Hall of Famers. Whitey Ford, he just oh, uh, he won every game against the White Sox that I can remember. Yeah, he was, he was but but you bring up 1957. I happened to be, and I can't remember much of it. I was in 1957. I saw Bob Keegan throw a no hitter at Comiskey Park for the White Sox wow. way back when. And who's the guy that threw it in the World Series? Uh, um, well, Don Larson for the Yankees. Don Larson. That's what I'm thinking. Was that a perfect game? Perfect or? game. Yeah. Perfect game. You're great, Manny. I love this. Oh, I these guess... memories. These memories. You're taking me right down memory lane. And there are certain things that even though at the time you don't think you're going to remember them 50, 60 years later, they stand out so, so much so that you can't erase them from your memory bank. They're just there and always will be. And the new ballparks just don't, they can't replace the memories of Comiskey Park. I mean. They cannot. <laughs> just like uh, hockey. I'm sorry, I like the United Center, but it's not, it's not the old white, it's not the old stadium on, on Madison Avenue. I'm telling you, going, going to see those hockey games, the real Blackhawks at that time. Wasn't yeah. that great? Yeah, yeah. So both for the for the for the Bulls and for the Sox when they got the new stadiums, uh, great for technology and all that. But you lost a lot. You, you did by the uh, by the end of the third period. We'd always sit in the upper mezzanine. Those the only tickets my dad could get. <laughs> and you know the smoke. You could barely see the ice oh. by the third period. Totally. And I remember being in the upper mezzanine saying, if there's a one job I'm never going to have is being an Andy Frayne usher because they would try and break up some, some of the fights that were taking place and they yeah. end up getting beat up. 
And I said, man, you couldn't pay me enough to be an Andy Frame Usher. The blue-uniformed Andy Frame Ushers were at Comiskey <laughs> Park and the and Chicago, and Stadium. Chicago Stadium. You know, Bobby Hull and Kenny Warham and Stan Makita and Elmer Vasco, Reg Fleming. You know, uh, you mentioned Esposito, a, the baseball player. How about Esposito, our, our goaltender, you know, for the Blackhawks? He and and uh, Glenn Hall back yeah, when we were young. Big time. Oof, yeah, no, no. Chicago, man. We ought, we ought to have a Chicago sports. Somebody ought to pay us a lot of money to do a sports talk it. show. <laughs> then we can segue into law sometime. All right, man. I'm going to let you get back out onto the practice range and get ready for the member member at Desert Highlands, right? Yes. And remind me when we next talk to bring it up. I'm telling you, bring it up. Ask me how we did the member member because my game and it's, it's driving best driver for seniors on YouTube. What a difference it's made for this. All race. right. Well, I'm going to try to get to Arizona for a game, but if I don't, I hope Let's we, uh, please let me know if you're going to be here because I'll join you if you don't mind. No, absolutely. That would be a blast. That would be a blast. And we'll if get, not we'll Las Corolla, that'd be a good deal. Yeah. They've, uh, they're, they're right down the road from you. 20 minutes. All right, Manny. Hey. It's been a, been a pleasure as hey. always. My best to you. Take care. Say hi to your bride for me. And look forward to hooking up with you in Arizona uh, this spring. This Same. Spring. Best to Pat. When you see Mr. Yeah. Reinsdorf, give him a, a, a hello for me. And I hope to see him in the Windy City this year for a little Thanks. baseball. Take care, James. And a Thank cigar. You. All, All right. right. Okay. Go Sox. Thanks.